This is episode 107, Getting Over Boredom in Your Job with Becca. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm coming to you from Bali, so you may hear some roosters or birds or dogs or other animals that I can't identify in the background. It's kind of impossible to have a soundproof room when you're in Bali, but I I love it, so I hope you do hear a couple roosters while I'm recording. And if you want to get on my retreat waitlist for next year, because every year I do a retreat here in Bali, which is a magical place, you can email jill at christinehassler.com to be first to know about when we start enrollment again. And I just wanted to mention how important I think travel is, especially travel abroad, getting out of your comfort zone, travel to a foreign country. I really didn't start traveling to other countries until my mid 20s. And it has been such a life changer for me. I think sometimes we can get so stuck in our routine and so stuck in our own culture and our own comfort zone and going and and seeing so much of the world and interacting with other cultures has really opened my heart and opened my eyes and opened my mind. And it's taught me a lot about myself. A big thing that I get to practice when I travel to foreign countries is patience. You know, I'm used to being in my routine and having things go a certain way back in the States. And when you're in a foreign country, you can't expect that. You can't expect the culture to adapt to your own. And Bali's a place that likes to throw curveballs every once in a while. And it's a beautiful place. And the culture here is amazing. And I love the people. But things definitely don't move as fast or efficiently as they do in the States. So it's a great opportunity for the Virgo and me to practice patience and acceptance and to really just go with the flow. Because honestly, if you don't go with the flow here, you're (laughs) miserable. So again, I encourage you, where can you expand your horizons a bit? Where have you been wanting to go, but you keep making excuses of why you can't book the trip? Go. You know, investing in travel is an investment in yourself because there's so many lessons that you learn. So if you've been waiting for a sign about whether or not you should book that trip or go to that country, consider this it. So in today's episode, Becca called in asking why she's not satisfied in her job and has a pattern of job jumping as soon as she gets bored. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you job jump or maybe you're just bored in your job. Becca's a millennial, and it's very common of 20-something behavior, especially since so many 20-somethings were raised with instant gratification. I mean, technology made it possible for us to get what we want, like, immediately. And a lot of millennials were also told to follow your passion and find a job that makes you happy. So speaking of patience, millennials often have a lot of impatience when it comes to the job world, and they want their job to be satisfying and exciting every single day. So at first I thought Becca was suffering from that common millennial angst that comes from some often unrealistic expectations when it comes to work. But I'm so glad I did not jump to that conclusion and investigated further. 
as you'll hear in the episode, her struggle really has nothing to do with being a millennial. It's much deeper than that. And we really, really got to some powerful stuff. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's a good lesson and reminder not to stereotype people or jump to conclusions, especially to all of us coaches. You know, we're used to seeing patterns and we can sort of predict why people are the way they are in some instances, but we never, ever, ever want to do that without thoroughly investigating first by asking a lot of questions. And finally, would you consider yourself a bit of an extremist? Like you really, really, really love to feel really, really good. And then you kind of dip down to feeling really, really bad. But sort of just the everyday normal routine is a little bit hard for you. And you kind of crave those extremes. Before we dive in, are any of you out there looking for a new car? If so, then listen up because I want to tell you about using True Car. With TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is. You can feel confident. And once you register, you'll see pricing on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a TrueCar certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership so you can feel confident when you show up. With TrueCar, you can connect the local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Wouldn't that be nice? TrueCar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with TrueCar certified dealers. And TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. All right. And now on to my coaching session with Becca. Becca, welcome to the show. What's your question? So my question might be a little more than a question, more of clarification or some guidance. Okay. Um, I have been in a couple of careers since I graduated college about four years ago and have kind of switched careers to so I'm with the current company in sales and it's been probably the closest thing to what I enjoy doing. But I feel like there's like some type of barrier holding me back from success where like, I don't know if it's like the fear of success and money or fear of I don't know, getting to where I want, but I just feel like there's something holding me back and I'm always questioning quitting and wanting to do something else. Okay. And what does this barrier to success feel like? Um, it's like up and down. It's kind of funny where I feel like the moment I feel good or excited about going to work and what I'm doing, then something goes in the way where I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Why don't I quit and do something you're more passionate about? Okay. So what has been something in your life that you've been super committed to and that you've stuck with? Oh, boy. Um fitness, working out. Okay. And what keeps you committed to that? Um, feeling healthy and I guess the energy level, everything, the results I get from it. Okay. And are there days you don't feel like working out? Oh yeah. And how do you deal with that? Either I listen to my body and don't work out that day or I give myself a little pep talk. And what do you usually say in that pep talk? Um, you're going to feel better after, 
or so it's going to give you more energy. Okay. So you're able to get through something you don't want to do because the potential of a better result in the future. Absolutely. Great. So when you start to have this feeling of wanting to quit, which I imagine comes from boredom or not feeling passionate about it or just not liking what you're doing, what's your inner dialogue then? Is there pep talk? It kind of changes depending on the situation, I guess. In terms of work, what kind of goes through my head now is, well, you're you're almost to your goal. You just keep pushing through. You're almost getting promoted or you're helping people and you're connecting. So you're still being able to fulfill what you want in life. Okay. So how do you think that's different than the way you pep talk yourself to work out? Um, I really don't know. Can you feel the difference? But does one feel different? Yeah. Right. Which one feels like it actually works? (laughs) The working out. Right. Right. And why do you think that is? I'm not too sure. Because on the working out one, you're painting a very positive picture of how you're going to feel at the end. Mm -hmm. So you're attaching it to a feeling. With the other kind of pep talk, it's more like you're trying to justify the situation and prove to yourself that you can stick with it. Mm-hmm. versus going, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to feel so proud of myself that I did X, Y, Z today. Or two years from now when I'm working with a, at a better job or a job that I like better, I'm going to be so grateful for what I learned here. There's no feeling mm-hmm. in your work pep talks. Yeah. Do you see that? Yep. So I want to pause there and zigzag a little bit. What's the most challenging thing that you've been through in your life? Um, probably my parents' divorce. And when was that? I was 16. Okay. And what was challenging about that? Not having parents during that time, during high school when it was crucial for me. Okay. And tell me more about that. My my mom was very disconnected and kind of going through her midlife crisis and I didn't really have a relationship with her and my dad had moved away and I didn't have a relationship with him. And I felt alone during a time when I was making big decisions about where to go to college and what to do next. Mm. Mm -hmm. And how do you think that that could be impacting you today? I feel like maybe it's the way I got through it. And how I got through those emotions, I'm still using those tactics today. Like what? Of, I use, I didn't have as much positivity back then. Mm-hmm. Of the, well, this isn't, this divorce is making you stronger, it's making you independent. And um, it was more of, I don't know what to do, and this kind of sucks, and yeah. I feel lost. Yeah, which is very normal for a 16 year old who still needs parents to think that. Those are very mm-hmm. reasonable feelings and thoughts to have. Yeah. And during a time when you were attempting to make a lot of decisions, you felt alone and you probably felt a little lost and a little confused. And then mm-hmm. I imagine, given what you said about your parents, like there might even have been a little anger at them. Mom was having a midlife crisis mm-hmm. and dad wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
whenever we have a situation like this, it's natural to try to look for something, anything to make us feel better. Yep. In that time when you were 16, what did you lose yourself in? Like, what did you spend a lot of time doing? Um, honestly, that's when I started to get into partying mm-hmm. and going out, drinking. Mm-hmm. So disconnecting. Yep. Right. So notice that at that time you had to set up a pretty high threshold to feel better. Mm-hmm. So you felt pretty awful and partying and drinking and if there are any drugs and all that kind of stuff, that's a pretty high, high, it's a pretty big leap and you really have to push the envelope to feel good. Yeah. But, but you can feel really good. That's why drugs and alcohol are addicting is because you can feel really good and you can forget about mm-hmm. all the things that make you feel really bad. So can you see that at that time, it kind of set up a system inside of you of a pretty big pendulum in terms of your reality and what it takes to feel good? Can you see that? Okay. Yeah. Very extreme too. Highs and lows. Very extreme highs and lows, right? So when that's set up, we can often continue to look for those extremes. So your standard of how you want to feel, for example, in a career and in a job right now could be pretty high because you want to feel the extreme. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Yeah. So some of your expectations of what a career should be right now may be a little bit extremist. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you're in a situation where you feel challenged or you're not happy or you don't like things, it's going to activate even more that desire to feel really, really good, to feel really, really high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me any insights that you're having or any dots that you're connecting. Um, I feel like at this time, it it totally makes sense because I'm looking now for a quick fix and it never really connected the dots with when I was 16 during that time of dealing with a challenge that I was using a coping mechanism to make myself feel better until you connected it. And I feel like I'm at that point where in my job, you know, I'm looking for those that really, really big high with a job and it comes, but when I don't get it, I'm... I'm aware that I'm trying to look for something else that's not really realistic in life. And I really acknowledge you for this, your willingness to see this and acknowledge it because this was a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. When you felt lost, when you felt confused, all that kind of stuff, you went for something like that made you feel like a quick fix. So it kind of set up that as a way to deal with things. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense, which makes perfect sense in terms of what happened to you. So, or what happened, I don't really believe things happen to us, they happen for us. So we'll just say, based on what you shared about your parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. And previous to that, 
before the divorce and before they were pretty unavailable, what was their relationship like with you? How involved were they in your life? My mom was very extremely involved and super supportive, um, just very loving and determined. My dad wasn't very involved. Um, he worked a lot. And so I think a part of that I get afraid of because my job now and where I am in my career, I'm working a lot too. So I start thinking I don't want to turn out like my dad. Mm. And how did he turn out from your point of view? Um, after the divorce, a lot changed and great. We have a really strong relationship now. But what's the version of him you don't want to turn out like? The one that's not present in the family, mm -hmm. in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And do you really think that was because he was working too much or do you think work was just what he used to disappear because he wasn't happy yeah, in his marriage? Right. So was yep. it really about working hard? No. No. It was about coping mechanism and distraction, probably. Exactly. So do you really need to believe that if you work hard, you're not going to be present for your family? No. No. Because that's not true. It wasn't about the working hard. It was just his coping strategy. So congratulations. Your worst fear is already manifested. You've taken on your dad's uh, pattern of distracting yourself. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. But isn't it great? You don't have to worry about becoming like it. It's like you already did it. Awesome. Now you can shift yep. it. <laughs> I like it. Now you can shift it. So there's a couple things here. So mom was very involved in your life. She was there. So it was a big switch for you to go from having a very present parent to a parent who had to focus on herself. And in your words, mm -hmm. had her midlife crisis. So that was another big ouch in a lot of ways. And all the more reason why you needed a, a quick fix and something as extreme as partying because it was mm -hmm. so dramatic of a shift for you. Do you see that? Yeah. Do you have any judgment on yourself for your wilder days? It's funny you bring that up because I feel like I do carry some still, and it's something that um, I've kind of tried to steer the opposite direction of. Um, yeah, I, I definitely do. I'm embarrassed by some of the things. Okay. So I, like right now in this moment, I would just love to support you in forgiving yourself for any of that. You were doing the best you could with what you had. It was how you coped at the time. Okay. Are you still partying? No. Okay. Great. You learned. Mm -hmm. Do you need to perpetuate it by punishing yourself? No. No. And can you have compassion for that teenage girl who just didn't know what else to do? Absolutely. Right. Because the more you have compassion for yourself, the more you forgive yourself, the more you're going to trust yourself, and the more you're going to be able to not have this perpetual feeling of wanting something to be different. Because a big reason, mm -hmm. too, we want things to be different is we just don't feel comfortable on our own skin. And we keep thinking that changing something on the outside is going to change something on the inside. Mm -hmm. 
And a big reason we don't feel comfortable on our own skin is because we have shame. Yep. Over things that we did in the past. Is there a particular thing that you feel ashamed of? Um, yeah. In terms of, um, I guess, with guys hooking up and not being smart about it. Mm-hmm. What do you mean not being smart about it? I didn't always, wasn't always protected and mm-hmm. had actually gotten STDs from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, in this moment, so acknowledge your courage and your vulnerability with me. And I'm so with you. And there's absolutely zero judgment. Right now, I just feel so much love and so much inspiration for you being willing to talk about this because part of how this heals is by bringing it into the light and not keeping it a secret. Thank you. Yeah. And you're not broken and you're not damaged and you're not tainted. You're not. What would it take for you to believe that? (laughs) I guess it's easier said than done, right? Sometimes. I guess something I've been focusing on this year is just loving myself more. Mm -hmm. Giving myself time with myself and saying that I'm worth it and that I deserve just as much or more than anyone else in the world. Mm -hmm. Just as much. We all deserve the same amount. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And it's also really forgiving yourself and going, wow, like... That was the that was the best I could do at the time. That was how I survived. Mm-hmm. Would I do it again that way? No. But that was the best that I knew at the time. Yeah. And a lot of times when there's something like an STD, we work even harder to prove that we're lovable because we think we're defective in some way. And I just want to tell you, you don't have to do that. One of the things that I've shared on the show that um, was is a principal at the University of Santa Monica, where I went for my master's degree, they always said how you relate to the issue is the issue. Mm-hmm. So you having an STD or anything else that you feel shamed about is not the issue. How you relate to it is the issue. So if it's a negative connotation, then that's the issue is how you perceive it. Yeah, if you exactly. If you receive it as I'm damaged, I'm tainted, no one will want me, I'm dirty, whatever, whatever judgments you have of it, that's more of the mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. And also what I've, what I've seen with, and, and you're not alone, <laughs> STDs are very, very common. It, it comes up a lot. Um, I'll try to, I'll link the episode in the show notes, but I did a call, maybe it was a year ago with a woman, um, who had herpes and it was a beautiful Mm -hmm. call. So I'll link that, I'll find it and I'll link that episode up in the show notes so that you can listen to it as well. Did you hear that one? I did. Oh, you did. Okay, good. Well, I'll link it up for everybody else. So what I've noticed too, is that the more, People judge an STD, shame themselves. 
the more likely they are to have outbreak symptoms, et cetera. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. There's a sort of a pattern of discomfort, right? So you called in asking me about the job thing Mm -hmm. and just feeling like reaching a point where you're just not comfortable, where you just want to change it or you're bored and you want to quit or whatever. So in talking to you, my sense of what's going on is that since there was such like a jarring event at 16 that then led you into some kind of extreme behavior, you in a sense disconnected from yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like you abandoned yourself. You left yourself. So there's a discomfort with almost being in your own skin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that brings me back to something I said earlier of whenever we feel like that, we're always going to want to be changing something externally because we think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We know it's like me when I quit my my agent job when I was 26. How old are you? About 26, 27? Yep. Okay. I thought that that was the problem, that if I just quit my job, everything would change. If I just changed mm-hmm. my external conditions, then the inside would change. And although I don't think being a Hollywood agent was my destiny, <laughs> I don't think that was the problem. The problem was I created that job based on my own insecurities. You know, I, I moved out to Hollywood with something to prove. And it was my own inner critic. It was my own shame. It was my own, um, inner shadows basically that were making the job miserable. Wasn't necessarily the job, but the good thing is, is in quitting and then, you know, having all these other things happen, my fiance leaving me going into debt, getting sick, so on and so forth is Mm -hmm. that it made it crystal clear that the answer wasn't on the outside. So my encouragement to you about the job situation is just to be where you are right now, to really bring your best to this job, to not think about how long you're going to be there right now. Is it, mm-hmm. is it a super toxic environment? No. No. Is it pretty, in terms of how a job goes, in terms of the people you work with and benefits or money you make or whatever, is it pretty good for 26 years old? It's amazing. Great. Bravo for creating that. So one, can you know you deserve it? Two, can you stop looking for it or anything else to make you feel passionate? And three, can you realize that maybe one of the reasons that you don't feel passionate is because you disconnected from yourself a decade ago? Instead of looking for a job to give you that passion, Could you find it inside yourself again? Yeah. So when I get those thoughts, which is like that constant battle of the thoughts that go in your head to find something externally to make myself feel better, how do I go through that process of fighting out those bad thoughts? Well, give me an example. Let's just say usually it goes into a tough day at work with lots of rejection which just comes with a job that 
I get frustrated and I'm like, why am I even doing this? This isn't worth it. I don't need the money. I can live off of a little bit of money and not like you love the job or. Mm-hmm. So what do you think gets triggered in that moment? Like before you go into those thoughts, what do you think happens? Mm-hmm. Rejection. <laughs> Usually. Right. Right. Which is a wound and which is also what you're doing inside yourself. Because yeah. I think with the shame you have around your party days and the STD, there's self-rejection going on. Yeah. So anytime that button gets triggered, it's very uncomfortable and very painful. And mm-hmm. like all human beings, we think that changing something on the outside <laughs> is going to fix it. Or saying things or, or, or judging the situation or, you know, it's, it's almost like when there's a lot of shame, there's also a lot of blame. We blame ourselves and then we blame outside circumstances. So here's the thing. You can take responsibility for your choices. You take responsibility Mm -hmm. for not always being smart when it comes to sex. You take responsibility Mm -hmm. for all that, but you don't have to blame yourself. Not helping. Because all that's doing is making you blame outside situations. Mm-hmm. And nothing creates your inner experience other than you. So what's great is that you can use anytime you get triggered as feedback for you to love and accept yourself. What can you say in those moments to move into acceptance, which is the opposite of rejection? Yeah. Just knowing, like you've mentioned, just reminding myself that I'm good enough and I deserve this and it's going to help me grow. Yeah. I accept where I am right now and I'm so excited about what's to come. Mm -hmm. It's back to the way you give yourself your pep talk to exercise. It's very effective because you attach to a feeling. Yeah. And what's so great is that, you know, you're 26 and perhaps the worst and most difficult part of your life is already behind you. Mm -hmm. And if you really dive in and leverage this and do some more healing around it and really Mm -hmm. start to shift your relationship with yourself, then that really could be the worst thing that's happened. I never thought of it that way. And it's so funny because I was listening to your book and I was thinking, well, I have really nothing that I need to get over. Like, what would I relate this to? But <laughs> little did I know it's so clear what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that future expectation hangovers won't happen. But what yeah. does happen is that when we heal a big one like this, when quote unquote bad things happen, we're so much more equipped to deal with it so we don't suffer for as long. We don't suffer mm-hmm. to the same degree. So what'd you learn? Exactly. Oh man, so much. I think what I learned a lot was the difference in how I talked to myself. I didn't realize that when it came to things that I enjoyed, like working out, that I connected emotion to motivate and I was trying to use self-sabotage with the career and work, um, 
I also learned to forgive myself for the past Mm -hmm. and that really when I'm trying to get out of my job, it's me trying to escape for a quick fix. Mm -hmm. But really what I need is to realize and have a positive self-talk whenever those those thoughts come up. Right. And let go of the shame so that the rejection doesn't continue and so the blaming doesn't continue. Because again, shame equals blame. If we feel shamed about something, there's blame. And it's usually a double-edged sword. We're blaming ourselves and we're blaming someone else. Okay. So forgiveness, forgiveness of yourself, forgiveness of the person that you got it from. Lots of forgiveness. And if you have expectation hangover, that's great because you can use the tools to work with that. Yeah. How do you feel? A lot better. I feel like I made such a big deal out of something that's really not, like I had a a big crisis to take care of, but really it's just tweaking how I talk to myself Yeah, forgiving myself. Yeah. Honoring what happened but not thinking that it's insurmountable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You got this. (laughs) Thank you. I needed to hear that. Okay, so I know I may sound like a broken record when I say this, but I'm always just so touched by the vulnerability of our callers on this show. So thank you, Becca. And like I said in the opening, I'm so grateful that Becca and I took the time to really explore what the deeper issue was underneath her boredom at her job and what her desire to jump around was really coming from. As I've discussed uh, quite a few times on this show, a lot of millennials and 20-somethings do have rather unrealistic expectations when it comes to work. But that's not really what this was about for Becca. So let's unpack what happened in this session. I started with asking her about something she's been committed to just to see if she's able to stick with things. And she was able to connect with something, fitness. And then she was able to distinguish that she's able to stay committed to working out because she's painting a very positive picture of what she wants to feel at the end. There was no feeling in her work pep talks. It was more like justification, like just go and you can do it and there's payoff. There was no emotionality to it, no feeling, and it's really, really hard to get yourself to feel motivated and inspired when there's no feeling. So when you're thinking about the future and you're working on inspiring or motivating yourself or your clients, paint a picture of what the result's going to look like, but attach the emotion to it so that you really are connecting with not only a mental picture, but a feeling associated with it. I also asked her, what's the most challenging thing that you've been through in your life? I asked that question initially because I was curious with how she deals with adversity. And as you heard, that question led us down a very powerful direction. And this is, again, a note to all you coaches, because I know a lot of my fellow coaches listen. That's a great question to ask when someone's dealing with a challenge. You want to get a picture of how they've dealt with expectation hangovers and adversity in the past. So as you heard, her parents' divorce was a very difficult time for her. And to cope with that, she resorted to partying and drugs and alcohol. And that set up very high highs and very low lows. 
And she started to crave that feeling of feeling extreme because this is something that happens a lot with expectation hangovers. And I wrote about this in the book. So if you don't have a copy, go grab a copy of my last book, Expectation Hangover. One of the things that I discuss in there is a big reason addictions happen is because of disappointment. Basically, we feel disappointed about something and we don't know how to process our feelings. And so we have to numb the pain with something and we suppress and we suppress and we suppress. And the more we suppress, the more energy that takes. And so we have to keep upping the ante on our numbing technique. So whereas a glass of wine might work the first night of your disappointment, if you still aren't really dealing with it three months down the road, you're going to need a bottle of wine or something even stronger to keep numbing the pain. So that's a little bit of what happened. She kept upping the ante and just kind of went to this extremist behavior. And so she's looking for that kind of high, even in her job that like, I want to really feel good because she doesn't have too much comfort with just sort of feeling normal, sort of being in the day to day of life. Because without any distraction, the excitement of partying, the excitement of a job, then all those old emotions come bubbling to the surface. So that's why it's so, so important to really learn how to process our expectation hangovers, our old hurts, our old pains. So please, if this is something that you're connected with, really consider joining me for my personal mastery courses here. This is my online course, but I coach it live. So you get coaching calls with me and all kinds of meditations and videos. It's it's an awesome, awesome, awesome course. So make sure you're signed up at christinehassler.com because I'm going to be announcing some early bird discounts for it. And that way you can really, really learn how to process emotionally, mentally, behavioral, and spiritually so that you're not looking for super high highs and super low lows. Okay. So back to Becca. We also talked about her parents. So first of all, there's mom. It was a big switch to have this very present parent in her mother to one who kind of wasn't there at all. You know, she said after her parents' divorce, she kind of lost her mom. All the more reason she needed a quick fix. You know, she kind of lost her anchor. She, she lost her emotional support system. And so something extreme as partying was sort of the, what she resorted to, to deal with that loss of not only her parents' marriage, but also the loss of her mom really being there for her. And then she said her dad wasn't very involved and he used work as a coping mechanism and distraction. And Becca was afraid of that. But what I pointed out to her is that she already was doing that. She already was looking for the next best thing in terms of work, the next best thing in terms of a job to distract herself from dealing with some of the pain that she hadn't really dealt with. So awesome, Becca. Congratulations. Your worst fear is already manifested. And I said that to her in the coaching session. And this is another important thing for a lot of us to realize. Often the things we're most scared of, we're already doing. We're already doing. We're scared we're going to end up alone. Well, we are alone in this moment and hey, we're doing just fine. So we might as well shift it instead of just being afraid we're going to be like this forever. It's like, okay, I am like this right now. What am I going to do to shift it? So realize that a lot of your worst fears probably have come true to some level. So great, you made it through. Now shift it. Where Becca is, from my point of view, is she's reached a point where her pattern of discomfort has become just too uncomfortable, which is a significant shift because 
often our own discomfort is a comfort zone. You know, we're so comfortable in our own discomfort because it's familiar that we stay there for years or decades. But what's so great is that eventually it reaches a point where we snap and we're like, okay, like even my discomfort is uncomfortable, so I'm ready to move. There comes a point where you just want to change your life. Since there was such a jarring event in Becca's life that led her to extreme behavior, there's almost this discomfort with being in her own skin, with being present. So she keeps wanting to change something external because she thinks that's the problem. But changing the external conditions never change our internal state. Life really is about moving from outside in to inside out. The last thing I want to discuss here is shame. Oh, there was a lot of shame that Becca was carrying around. And when we have a lot of shame, there's also a lot of blame. We blame another and we blame ourselves. So if you're dealing with any kind of shame, it's time to really take responsibility, to really look and go, okay, I forgive myself. I was doing the best I could at the time. I forgive the other person because holding on to anger and resentment against them is only hurting me. I release the shame. And a good way to do that is the way Becca did, just by talking about it, bringing it out of the dark, into the light, not keeping it inside. Because the more we keep things inside, the more we keep secrets, the more we have that shame. And we continue that cycle of blaming ourselves and blaming another. So please, please forgive yourself. Forgive the other. With vulnerability, share about whatever you're shameful of. Look at what lessons you've extracted from it and then let it go. So some takeaways for you. If you are bored in your job or relationship or some aspect of your life, really look into if you have difficulty with just being present. Often wanting excitement and newness and having grandiose expectations of something external is indeed a distraction technique. Second, look at how some of your worst fears are already happening. For example, maybe one of your fears is you're not living into your full potential. Well, you're probably already feeling that way. So it's happening right now. You don't need to fear it. It's done. It's happening. So shift it. Instead of all the worry and anxiety fearing it, realize, all right, it's already happening. So what am I going to do to change it? Next shame. Like I said, forgive yourself, forgive the other, find a way to bring it out of the dark, out of the secrets, out of the shadows and into the light. And if you are bored in your life or your job or whatever it may be, your relationship, write a list of everything that is wonderful about your current situation. How can you bring more excitement from the inside out? And I am always here in any way that I can to help you really live a fulfilled life where you feel like you're living into your full potential from the inside out. I want to help you feel happy and fulfilled no matter what is going on or isn't going on in your life. So again, we're opening up the doors for my personal mastery course very, very, very soon. I'm going to be teaching a free masterclass on October 11th. Make sure you're signed up at christinehauser.com for all the updates. Until next week, I'm sending you much love and many blessings. Bye, everybody. Hi, I'm Tavis Smiley. You may know me from my PBS talk show. I'm excited to tell you that I have a brand new podcast that you can hear on podcastone.com. I'll discuss the latest in politics, sports, music, and much more with big thinkers, artists, and celebrities. I'll also share my own opinions and answer some of your questions. So join the conversation on the Tavis Smiley podcast coming to podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. 
And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe in iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. <laughs>